This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Cruise Control, our automotive car show. My name is Ali Johan, joined tonight by our automotive specialist as ever, Mr. Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Welcome, Daniel. Say hello. Thank you for calling me an automotive specialist. I'm just a fan. I'm just a car fan. I'm not a specialist. No, it's a two-man show tonight. Richard's not around. So we're going to be talking lots of cars, some new launches, also a very iconic Honda model. We're going to talk about that a bit later. And at the end of the show, a review of an all-new Lexus RX 350. And that's all coming up on the show. But before that, we're going to take you through some news headlines from the automotive world. This week, TC Eurocars officially launched the highly anticipated all-electric Renault Zoe. We have previewed this car many, many months ago, Daniel, waiting for it to arrive in this country. Uh, we spoke about the possible price that it's going to be sold at. And now Renault has finally announced that. Uh, not only available for purchase, but you can also do a flexible one to three year subscription plan. Correct, correct. So, you know, we always say, you heard it here first. And you heard it here first months ago when we said the Zoe was coming in and people doubted us. And at that time, they just had a sneak preview of the vehicle at their testing centre. Now it's officially in showrooms and a little bit disappointing because the price is a little bit high. Now, uh, the Zoe came to Malaysia some years ago, the previous model. It sold reasonably well. I mean, maybe a couple of hundred units. Uh, for that time, it was pretty good. But now, people are buying into these Chinese electric cars. And, you know, BYD, Aura, Good Cat, they're selling like hotcakes. Thousands of units are uh, leaving the showrooms. I was actually in a showroom yesterday, just dropped by to have a look. And it was like a small little pasamalam, you know. Whoa. There were people, all walks of life, all types of ages, young, old. I can't explain it. Like. The fascination is like, you know, almost like... 30 years ago when Proton launched the Vira, you know? Okay, okay. Yes, and these people were not just browsing. They're actually coming, trying to get information, looking at price, looking at delivery times, color choices and everything else. So the Chinese electric car invasion is here. So Renault is trying to jump on the little bit of the bag wagon. Maybe not take a lion's share, but take at least some of the shares. Problem is the prices start from 165,000 ringgit. Now that's very close to what the Chinese car manufacturers are selling. And... Here is the thing when we say but, but, but. This car only has 386 kilometers of driving range. Uh-oh. Now, for you and me, if you think about it, you're going to charge this car at home. You're not actually going to do a lot of extensive outdoor charging. You might do it when you go on a long-distance trip. So, 380-odd kilometers of driving range is pretty good. Hmm. But with the Chinese EVs promising 500 kilometers of driving range, a lot of people say for the same money, I'm going to get 110, 120 more kilometers of driving range. And that seems to be the big selling point. On top of that, these Chinese EVs come with a lot of cabin tech and games, you know. Mm. And you know, Malaysians, they love this. When they want to buy an EV, they want as much tech as possible. Are they going to use it? That's not the question. We want it, you know. Mm. Now, Renault... Like its sibling Nissan Leaf, because they're both sharing a lot of technology together, have been in the market for more than a decade in Europe, in many parts of the world, and they've been very successful with reliability. However, in Malaysia, nobody sees that when they want to buy an electric car. All they see is cabin tech, ambient lights, mm -hmm. little features, uh, you know, nice touchscreen, and they are sold. 
So we got to see, you know, how well this Renault Zoe does in the next couple of months. For me, I can't wait to test drive it because I've always liked what the Renault Zoe brought to the electric car segment. What about the size? The size, I would say it's uh, same size as the Aura Good Cat uh, BYD Auto 3, except it doesn't sit high up because this is a car, more mm. like the, the Aura Good Cat. It's a slightly wider vehicle. It's taller in terms of roof headroom. Uh, you know, catering for Matsales who are tall, pe- mm. people like uh, Richard Bradbury. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it works well. So base variant starts at 165k, and the highest spec is available at 179,000. Okay, uh, what about charging? Uh, anything to say about its uh, battery? Simple. It's got a 52 kilowatt battery. Um, takes about five hours to charge on a normal wall plug, mm. uh, with a DC fast charger, of course, be faster. But um, you know they say 70 minutes with with a DC fast charger. But we always say try and not use a DC fast charger on any electric car because DC fast charging reduces the lifespan of the battery. So you only use DC charging when you're forced to. That means if you're long distance and everything else. But On average, you should be able to charge this at home right up to 100% using your normal uh, AC uh, in about three hours. Right. And are Renault the only company with a subscription plan for an EV? No. Nissan also has the same thing for the Nissan Leaf. So you can go to either Renault or you can go to Nissan or you can go to GoCar. GoCar is part of Renault in Malaysia. And they are doing leasing for both vehicles. So if you're not sure about owning one, you can try the subscription plan, I guess. Yes, I've actually advised a lot of people to try the subscription plan for at least a year, or you can even rent this car for a month or a few days or whatever to get a feel. But you know, when you rent for a few days in a month, it's not really a good feel because you, you, you're not sure how far you're going to go in terms of you know driving distance. But if you take it for a year, a year may sound a lot, but you know, the 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 charges. For this, it's starting from three thousand seven hundred and ninety-nine. So you take it for a year. There's no depreciation. There's no worry about maintenance, battery, after sales, breakdown, nothing. You just take the vehicle. You pay three thousand seven hundred ninety-nine a month for a year. You drive it around. You take it out station. Maybe you want to take it to Singapore or wherever. Then you can find out exactly whether this car is livable with you or not. You know, if you think about it, it's about four thousand ringgit. And you can also look at you know how much you're going to save on you know fueling up against uh, battery charging costs. Mm-hmm. So this is all like a test period for a lot of Malaysians. I think it's good to try it out before you you put down your money and and buy something for seven to nine year loan. And then suddenly you realize after the second or third year, I can't work with this. I live in a condo. My office doesn't have charging facilities. Or where I live, you know the the electricity. Uh, You know, it's not not very stable. I can't charge as 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 fast as I wanted. I mean, all these these conditions, you know, you have to look into. Yeah, these are all the considerations you have to make. But Renault Zoe is out in the markets. Yet another EV in a very busy small A B segment car type, huh? Yep. Uh, moving on this week, Burma's Auto are holding a road show at One Utama Concourse, and uh, they have a special preview of another electric vehicle, the Peugeot. E two double o eight. What are we dealing with here? Okay, so you already know the two double eight. Small, it's compact. It's you know, it's a five seater. It's more like a hatchback car than anything else. Mm. Uh, but now comes the the electric version. Now this electric version was previewed some time ago. Again, you heard it here first. We talked about it. You know, we mentioned it and everything else. Uh, but then Peugeot said not yet. Peugeot in Malaysia said not yet. We you know we're doing some testing on the ground to make sure that this car runs perfectly and all that. This time around, they've actually done a roadshow. So once you know the roadshow is out, it's definitely going to be sold. The problem is, uh, you know, a lot of people are thinking how much is it going to be because 
this is another electric car that's going to be competing with the, the, the invasion from China, you know. So, mm-hmm. the price has to be very competitive. Now, rumor has it, okay, you heard it here first, it'll be around 150,000 ringgit. Now, at 150,000 ringgit, again, it's sitting very close to the Nissan Leaf, Renault Zoe and a few other vehicles. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of people are going to ask, what's the driving range again? What's the battery capacity? Now, this, like the Renault Zoe, has got 300-odd kilometers. Actually, slightly less at 320. So, when you say 320 and a price of about 150,000 ringgit, people are going to raise their eyebrows and say, hmm, this is going to be a tough call. Yeah, you know? no long-distance travels, I guess. Yes. Now, the charging time for DC on this is slightly different than the Renault. It's 30 minutes. And for AC charging, which you can do it in your house, it's about four and a half char- four and a half hours for full charge. Okay. Now that's pretty decent, you know. Four and a half hours is you know overnight or even less than that. Yeah. It's got a front-mounted electric motor. It does 136 PS, very similar to the Zoe. 260 newton meters of torque. Again, very similar to the Zoe. Zero to 100 is 10 seconds. Zoe is about 11 seconds. Top speed about 150, which is pretty normal for uh, for a vehicle like this. Hmm. But Consumers are going to compare and say, well, Peugeot has got quite a bit of history with electric vehicles in Europe. Renault has also got it. But they don't have the cabin entertainment tech that the Chinese EVs have. They don't have the big flat screen. They don't have the touch screen. They don't have multitude of functions. They don't have dozens of ambient lighting features. These are all things that people want in their cars, mm. whether they need it or not, yeah. or whether they're going to use it or not. Yeah, And as, as we have discussed uh, many times on this show, cars, if it's not built as an EV from the ground up, it's likely going to lift from the petrol version of the 2008, right? The interiors yes. and everything, the fittings yes. and everything. So um, if you like the 2008, go have a look at Wanutama at the Burmas Roadshow on the concourse I suppose um, because also showing by Peugeot at the roadshow is the new pickup truck the Land Track yes the Land Track has already been out we test drove it uh, it's a pretty decent pickup truck nothing special you know pickup truck segments are basically very very okay like it's a pickup truck like it does the job <laughs> like, you know that kind of thing <laughs> uh, okay so that's uh, the E2008 Peugeot electric compact SUV now out at the Burmas Auto Roadshow in Wanutama in other news, uh, we're going to go to some global news because this week, Geely announced they are buying more stakes in one of the companies that they own. So as we know, Geely owns a couple of big automotive brands like Proton, for example. They also own Smart, Smart Cars. Volvo. Volvo, big time. And then they have a small share in Mercedes-Benz. Now they're buying more shares in which company? Aston Martin. Can you imagine? Who? Aston Martin, hand-built precision high-end performance luxury vehicles and Geely is going to take a bigger share now. Yeah, Geely takes 17% more and this will make them the third largest shareholder in this British automotive company. With Geely now being in this, are we expecting Aston Martin to develop an EV in the near future? I'm glad you asked that question because you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Now, if you remember, Geely owns 100% of Lotus. Now, Lotus used to make also, very precision, hand-built, small, you know, uh, fun-loving cars like the Elise, the Xyz, the Evora, you know. Hmm. They were not a global company. They, they were selling globally, but they were not a true global company because their numbers are very small. Once Geely took over, rebranded themselves, opened a new factory in China and everything else, what did they do? First vehicle to come out was the Emira. The Emira was somewhere in between the traditional Lotus 
and an electric car because it was hybrid. Right. They had a normal version and a hybrid version. The next vehicle that came out, which was just launched in Malaysia from 600,000, what is that? Terra, full electric SUV. Hmm. And the powertrain, the technology, everything is sitting right in China. If you understand this and you know the history, with Geely, you got Volvo, which is going full electrification. They also own Polestar, full electrification. Yep. They got Zeker, they got Lincoln Co. Now, with all this going on, that means they got battery tech, they got software tech, they got platform technology. Do you think there will be an Aston Martin full electric car made in China hmm. coming to Malaysia? Sounds like a natural progression here. Exactly. And it just means that Aston Martin can sell more vehicles. The brand is huge, but they don't send a lot of vehicles because they're very, very expensive and very exclusive. But for companies like Geely, hey, let's start making some serious bucks here, you know? Mm. And they'll do it. Because why? Everybody needs to go electric anyway, but let's do it our way because we got economies of scale with all the tech that's needed. I can't imagine the price though, Daniel. <laughs> well, if Lotus can bring their, their, their electric SUV, which is on par with the Lamborghini Urus in terms of size, footprint, features, power delivery and everything else, to 600,000 ringgit against the Urus original price of 2 million plus. Yep. Aston Martin DBX, the big SUV, the price starts from a million ringgit before taxes. After taxes, it's 2 million plus. What does that say? Hmm. You're looking at getting an Aston Martin for below a million dollars landed, you know? Hmm. Possibility, possibility. To buy a house or to buy an Aston Martin? Let's think about it. No, that. Aston Martin. <laughs> I knew you would say that. Now, uh, last piece of news quickly. This one's been circulating around in the Malaysian automotive world about car plates uh, by JPJ. So they've been doing this e-bidding for FF car plates. FF1 to FF9999, I suppose. And now it seems like the numbers are getting higher and higher, reaching close to 1 million ringgit. What's happening here, Daniel? This is just uh, mind-blowing. Okay, to start off with, JPJ launched the FF plate number series to mark their 77th anniversary. That's good news. Uh, that news came out a few weeks ago. And right. then suddenly, you know, there was non-stop news coming from all over the, the, the social media about the prices just moving up and up and up and up and up. For one plate number, it went up to... 950,000 ringgit, which is just ridiculous, just for the number plate. You're not buying a car, you're not buying a house, you're just buying a number plate, which you can transfer to another vehicle, but I mean, my word, what's wrong with Malaysians, you know? So now they tell us that the plate has been finally given out to someone. And, you know, during this process, the JPJ server actually crashed. On May 19, it was reported that for a little while, the, the server crashed because people were rushing to get the numbers. Now, I don't understand what's the big deal about FF9 because that's the highest plate number. That's the highest value plate number. FF9. I can understand FF8 because 8, you know, you know Chinese, Feng Shui and everything else. Yes. You know, and you can see a lot of rich pieces men wanting the 8. But this one is 9. So, maybe, you know, Fast and Furious movie 9 was the best, I think. <laughs> that's what Maybe, I'm maybe. Anyway, the whole story has gone viral. This number has already been taken up. A million ringgit number has gone to someone. I wonder what vehicle they're going to put it on. Uh, the minister, Anthony Lok, announced it and said, you know, you know, thank you very much and everything else. Plus, total money collected for the FF plate series. That means from number one right up to 9999. In total, JPJ collected 34.5 million ringgit. I think that's great news because why JPJ needs that money to, you know, upgrade your officers, pay their bonuses. You know, that's great. 
but 34.5 million just on that interesting revenue stream it is it is, it is. I hope they put it on a Honda EX5 motorbike <laughs> Well, whatever they put it on, whether it's a it's a luxury car, sports car, motorbike, whatever, whoever paid for that, if he can pay a million ringgit just for a number plate, he probably has enough money to buy a Pagani Zonda mm. or some limited edition Lamborghini or Porsche. Bentley. any problems. Mm. Yes. So that neatly rounds up the news and headlines this week. Coming up next, the Honda S2000 sports car right here on Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9 is Cruise Control. I'm Ali Johan tonight with Daniel Fernandez. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we just had our news segment earlier on talking about uh, the arrival of the Renault Zoe Peugeot E2008, which is the electrified version of their compact SUV. Geely taking more stakes in Aston Martin and we're expecting an electric car by Aston Martin as well as the FF number plates being put on auction by JPJ recently. Now, this car that's been discontinued in the Malaysian market, but an iconic car that has a cult following, and we're talking about the Honda S2000 sports car. I don't know if you've seen this car, Ali. Have you seen I it? haven't seen it on the road at all. I never knew they had this. Okay, this car actually is not discontinued just in Malaysia, discontinued globally hmm. more than a decade ago. You know, when, when Honda launched this car, they thought, okay, we're going to... We're going to bring out a car to challenge the Porsche Boxster, you know, drop top. Right. And also take on the Mazda MX-5 because the Mazda MX-5 was doing fantastic globally. So Honda decided, and you know, Honda, they have the technology, they have the know-how and everything else. So they decided, okay, we're going to get a really nice sports car. So they got the S2000. This car is slightly bigger than the Mazda MX-5 from that generation. It's also about the same size as the Porsche Boxster from that generation. Top down. 2-litre engine, normal aspirated. At that time, Honda was not doing anything to do with hybrid or turbocharging or anything. Normal aspirated, high revving engine. When I say high revving, this engine revs like a motorcycle engine. And you know, Honda is into motorcycles also. Hmm. When the car came out, it wasn't cheap. That was the problem. Because it wasn't mass produced, it wasn't cheap. Only a handful of Malaysians could afford it at that time. And also, the price was very close to a Porsche Boxster. So a lot of people say, I might as well put a little bit of money and get a Porsche Boxster. And then people who couldn't afford it will buy the MX-5 because that was, you know, cheaper in price. Mm. So as time rolled on, the market changed. And the market changed, I say, for the worst because then people wanted SUVs and crossovers. Right. And sports cars were, were like a dying breed. Even hatchbacks. A lot of people didn't want hatchbacks. So, you know, uh, uh, nice little hatchbacks uh, that were coming to Malaysia with nice little engines not being very popular because why people wanted an SUV, which is actually a hatchback that is sitting high, you know? Yes. That was market conditions. So, as time went on, the S2000 was retired. And Honda did not bother to bring it back because... Right about this time also, emission controls are coming in. So they don't want high revving engines. And then people are talking about hybrid technology and so many other conditions in the market. They just made a convertible high revving sports car not so popular. Mm. Meanwhile, Mazda kept at it. They kept building the MX-5. The popularity was growing. They had volume on their side so they could bring the price down. And... Porsche was doing well with the Boxster. Why? Because they had they had the premium market. So the S2000 was like somewhere in the middle. You get what I mean? Yeah. It was neither Mazda's iconic MX-5 or Porsche's premium convertible, the Boxster. Yeah. So they decided, we'll discontinue it. There's no point selling it. So 
whoever had that car treasured it kept it restored it kept it going now as times went by i used to see at least about 5 6 units around clang valley and then i got to know a couple of the owners also nice cars they love the cars you talk to them about selling i will never sell that's what they'll say i'll never sell because even though it was a slightly unusual car it was very reliable because it still got a honda moto so you don't have to worry about you know um Uh, getting spare parts or worrying about breakdown and everything else but because these cars became so rare the value started creeping up creeping up faster than Porsche Boxsters and also Mazda MX-5s currently there's only a handful in Klang Valley i guess it's a bit of a left field option if you're comparing it to the Boxster and the MX-5 mm-hmm. i have seen so many Boxsters and MX-5s on the road up until today but I can't say I've seen the S2000 on the road. You might have seen it, but not know what it was. Possibly, yeah, possibly, yeah. and yeah, I agree. I mean, people started moving to SUVs. Sports cars in general never been a forte for Honda, though. Well, you know, they had the Type R. You know, mm. they had the the, the two door Integra and the CRX and the CRZ. Mm. Um, they saw sports car market as a great possibility, but as the market moved and the and the segments changed it, it it didn't make any sense it's just like uh BMW and Mercedes they had sports cars BMW had the Z4 the Z4 today you hardly see a new Z4 on the road mm. the old Z4s are still running you know and this would be a direct competitor to also the Z4 but you know like Mercedes had the SLK you don't see many of them running around they're nice little compact convertibles Porsche has the the high end market Mazda has the the lower end market right in the middle It's not really working out well for anybody. Yes. So it's now more than 20 years old. It's considered a classic car. It's a classic roadster. I think, you know, if anyone has got a unit out there, hold on to it, which is what they're doing. Um, you know, in in overseas markets also the prices are going up. People don't want to sell it. So even if you want to find a used one is not easy. Uh, I mean, I wish I could find a used one. If there's a used one out there, please contact me. You know, I'll try and find the money to buy. It. <laughs> yes, yes. Tweet <laughs> us at BFM Radio. Get in touch with us. Night shift at BFM dot my and write to Daniel if you have seen one S two thousand Honda for sale. It has. Does it all come with red interiors? No, there's few combinations. I don't know much about the interior uh, variations, but that gear knob, that gear knob is so nice, isn't it? That is iconic. That is nice. I haven't seen one on the road. I, f- I wish I could see them. Um, high revving engine cars in general have now become a little bit out of style, especially with this more silent engine cars being produced. You know the new generation. They're talking about you know emissions. Keep it clean. You know electric cars, hybrid cars, whatever. So you know our time. Our time is going. Lah. Our time is will be gone soon. <laughs> Last one though. Is it easy to maintain a car like this? It's easy to maintain in terms of running cost, but of course, if you have trim issues or you know body panel issues, it's going to be difficult. So it's not going to be an easy car to live with, unless you know you know what you're doing or you know where to source for all this. Uh, even in Japan, it's very hard to find one. I, I mean, I've been to Japan many times. Spotting one on the road is really really difficult. Yeah, I think it appeals to people who want to be different and the Honda brand. That, they believe in the that's, brand. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's you. <laughs> yeah. So there we have it. A good throwback about the Honda S 2000, a car that's been discontinued for many years now. It launched in April 99, but we hope to see some of them back on the road. Uh, and that's all for now. Uh, we're going to come back with a car review of the Lexus RX 350. So keep it locked here. Cruise Control BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9. You're listening to Cruise Control. My name is Ali Johan and I'm joined tonight by Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Some news headlines about new cars in the market. Renault Zoe is in town. Geely taking over more stakes in Aston Martin. You can have a look at the Peugeot Electric 2008 at Wanutama Concourse at their Burmas Auto Roadshow. Uh, we also... Did a bit of a throwback, the Honda S2000, a uh, sportster, roadster that's now been discontinued, but probably a few out there on the road, if you can spot one. Let us know. Uh, tweet us at BFM Radio or get in touch with us at niceshift at bfm.my. Now, final part, uh, a review, Daniel, of this really beautiful Lexus RX350. Tell us more about it. Okay, the Lexus RX, one of the most popular SUVs in the market. Sadly, only maybe 30% is sold by Lexus Malaysia. The other 70% comes in with grey importers. It's been a boom for grey importers in the last, I would say, more than a decade. This is not the first RX. This is the fifth generation RX. Every model has been a superb seller. I mean, if you drive around KL or anywhere, you know, any any big city in Malaysia, within five minutes, you'll spot one. Lah. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I think the only time you don't spot one is really early in the morning because the people going to work can't afford this car. Lah, you know? <laughs> so, you have the Lexus RX 350 now coming to Malaysia. Fifth generation, all new model. The color that we test drove was copper. It's a brand new color. Beautiful. Very, very interesting in the, in the shade and even more interesting in the sun. It actually changes color, you know? Mm, okay. Okay. But if you look at the front, you would think it's a full electric car. Yeah. Somehow the grill, the the the, the lack of a grill gives it that impression. Theoretically, this car should have a bumper, but it looks like it doesn't have a bumper, like electric cars. Mm. It looks like it just has a nice smoothened out nose with that slits. You no, know, you know. But the slits are basically with the air intake. That is the grill, and then you got the nice Lexus logo there. So this is this is a very deceiving looking design, mm. and I think it's a design that attracts a lot of attention because when we took it out for test drive, we just had it for a day. They gave the media a preview of it, short test drive, nothing really, you know, lengthy. That will come later. Immediately, you could see the reaction on the road. First of all, the copper color. That is just outstanding. Yep. And then you see this, this intimidating looking front coming at you and you think, definite electric car. But no, it's a fully petrol driven model. This RX350, it's not a 3.5. That's just a, a naming uh, thing. It uses a 2.4 liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine. It's one of the newer uh, Lexus engines. Engine is very, very smooth. Very, very refined, which is what Lexus is all about. Mm. Uh, when we took it out for a test drive, the first thing we noticed is how quiet it is. So you can actually be mistaken to think you're driving a electric car. It's really, really quiet. And that's, you know, Lexus insulation and build quality and everything else. You must remember, Lexus is only built in one factory in Japan. It's not assembled anywhere in the world. It's not built anywhere else in the world. So that one factory is dedicated in delivering the best quality. I mean, I've gone for so many Lexus launches, uh, um, uh, speaking to engineers, speaking to people, product planners and everything else. Uh, their sense of commitment and passion to the brand. Uh, for them, uh, my vehicle, I'm building something uh, not to compete with European cars. I want to be better than them. I know I'm Lexus. I know I'm Japanese, but I want to be better than them. And I'll prove to you I'm better. Right down to sound system, materials use, you know, whether it's leather, PVC, cloth trim, whatever they use, it's all of the best quality, hmm. you know. And when you get into this car and you and you look around you, it's, you know, they've got a bigger screen now. They've got, you know, nicer touch and feel points. You know, the rear seat, I, at one point I was sitting in the rear seat. The rear seat, you know, leather seats are normally a bit stiff. This one is soft. 
you know they've used really good leather and they've and they've done the padding really well. You know my aging rear end <laughs> felt so comfortable in the rear seat. You know, right? And you got nice sound system and this and that. And I mean, it's it's complete. It's a complete vehicle. You don't have to think about anything else except. Do I want a hybrid version or electric version? So Lexus has actually developed three versions for this new RX. There is a hybrid and electric, but it's not coming to Malaysia for the next for the next few months. At least not this year. Next year, yes. And the reason for that is because when they sell vehicles anywhere in the market, they do extensive testing. Even this car was tested extensively. Even though it's a normal petrol-driven turbocharged engine, they have to make sure that the car is super. Reliable and efficient because why Lexus believes that global tests over the years, JD Power, whoever they've always put Lexus right on top for efficiency and reliability. Hmm. Speak to any Lexus owner. I'm talking brand new. Huh? Hmm. People who buy Lexus cars brand new, they'll always tell you, never a problem, never an issue. Even if I need to go back to the dealership. It's done quickly, efficiently. There's hardly ever any recalls. There's hardly ever any issues with spare parts. For me, I've recommended this brand to anybody of a certain age because I call it the best retirement brand. Oh, okay. And uh, we haven't spoken about the price, actually. Ah, so the price. Here, I must lower my voice a bit. <laughs> it's fully imported. There is no local assembly. There is no compromise on quality. So please understand when I say the price, you're going to raise your eyebrows. You're probably going to switch off the radio and change the channel. Don't do that. Go and test drive it. Get to know this vehicle before you dismiss it. Four hundred and sixty-eight thousand ringgit. <laughs> now, if you think about it, you're going to say, "Okay, the competitors are, you know." Cheaper, blah blah blah. Actually, no. If you look at what is coming out of Europe right now, all the new cars coming out of Europe. I'm talking about petrol-driven, eh? Yeah. All the premium SUVs coming out of Europe right now. Remember, I'm saying petrol-driven because electric cars don't pay tax, so you must compare apple to apple. Yeah. Apple to apple, everything is around this price range. It's all around four hundred, four forty, four sixty, four eighty. Who are, in terms of what you're getting? Who are its direct rivals? Of course, Audi. BMW, mm-hmm. Porsche, Mercedes, these are the rivals. Mm. You know, the big Germans are the rivals. Yeah. From Japan, you have Infinity that's a rival, but Infinity has close uh, office in Malaysia, so they're no longer selling. You know, so you got the big German rivals, and of course you got Volvo, but Volvo is going all electric, so it's hard to compare them with Volvo. So if you compare with the Germans, the Germans have got great vehicles, but let me tell you, this is just a little bit more special. Yeah, it does look special. Performance of the engine, that two point four liter turbocharged four cylinder engine. Now we didn't push it. We didn't push it hard, but it never felt like it needed to be pushed because it it just glides along. Vehicles like this, power delivery. Don't worry, Toyota knows how to do power delivery. But it's more about being quiet, absorbing bumps. You don't hear all the exterior noises as much as possible. It's just a wonderful premium SUV. And it starts from. Four hundred and sixty-eight thousand. Yes, eight eight. Right eight. now, there's only one variant, four hundred sixty-eight thousand. Next year, you'll see the plug-in hybrid coming in, and also the electric version. Comes with five years of warranty coverage with unlimited mileage, which is always available with all of these premium brands anyway, right? Yes. Um, what is the standout point here about this car compared to its rivals, other than the premium luxury and you know the Japaneseness, if I can use that? 
I'm just talking reliability, my friend. Reliability. Mm. I mean, when you're in this, why do I say this is like the best retirement brand? You want something reliable. You want something that's not going to take you back to the showroom, take you back to the workshop. You know, you want something that's going to be utterly reliable for more than 10 years because you're, you're, you're a retirement car. Now, if, you, if you're a young person, you might say, no, la, this looks a bit like an uncle car. With that copper color, it doesn't look anything like an uncle car. Not at all. Me. It looks pretty edgy, if you ask me. Yes. Really, yes. really nice. Okay, so all five thumbs up for this car then. I'll give it six. Ooh, there we go. Lexus RX350 review by Daniel Fernandez. Uh, how long did you drive this, Daniel? About a couple of hours, that's it. Are you going to get a, like a real full-on test drive of, of this? Of course, of course. That's what they've promised me and Lexus always does that after uh, initial preview. So we'll probably get it over a weekend. You know, I'll give you a call. I'll come and pick you up. Yes, please. You sit at the back. I'll drive you. I'll pretend to be your chauffeur. You know, you can have the whole experience. <laughs> Richard and I will be waiting at the Can TTDI uh, foyer. Uh, we'll see. And I we'll... didn't include Richard in this thing. I only said you. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if you want to bring Richard along, then I'm okay with that. Why not? Nice one. That neatly rounds up our episode tonight on Cruise Control, the review of the latest Lexus RX350 Luxury SUV Imported Edition 2.4 litre turbocharged engine. Uh, thank you so much, Daniel, for your review. Thank you for having me again. If you miss any part of the show, you want to catch up on the podcast, you can check out our BFM app, which you can get for free from Apple App Store or Google Play. Till next week, I've been Ali Johan together with Daniel Fernandez, Cruise Control BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.